Today's episode of the Black Flag Podcast is brought to you, as always, by Solero Commerce. You know the name, you know the drill. They've been with us since the very beginning, and they got some great new technology coming through. So if you want a small business that accepts debit or credit cards, you got to check them out. Contact Evan Orvath or get in touch with one of us, and we'll get you a free second opinion on your current merchant service provider. Brad Keselowski is going to be showing the Black Flag. It's the Black Flag Podcast. Every fucking week. Fuck, I hate my fucking job. Race analysis. Yeah, we're only girls pull hair, so. Maggie forgets that if they changed the rules and took the champion's provisional away, he wouldn't have been able to race the last two years, so. Uh... Occasional alcohol consumption. Uh, Jimmy Johnson is on pit road because I think he's the leader. And calling people on their shit. It refrains me from not beating the shit out of you right now because you ask me stupid questions. This week's Black Flag Podcast is now in session. Hey, we had some out we beat him so it's all good uh. oh god <laughs> all right boys and girls welcome back to the black flag podcast we are in the solero commerce compound right now as always i am charlie sanborn at c sanborn iii across the table from me is brad sauce here that's at b sauce 96 together we are at black flag pod on all things social media that's a facebook account that's an instagram account that's a twitter account but more importantly that is a patreon account where we ask that you head on over to the either google play store your apple fucking store whatever it may be download the patreon app look up the black flag podcast for exclusive content 20 percent off all merchandise and just an all-around good way to uh talk to us and us to be able to talk to all you pals out there so um, this is going to be a good episode, I think. We're just coming off a, a, a heater of a fucking weekend. Uh, we had yeah. some Connecticut pals, some Massachusetts pals. A New Hampshire pal? A New Hampshire couple pal. couple New Hampshire pals, I guess. We had a lot of Maine pals. Did we lose a Jeremy? We lost a Jeremy. We have no idea Jeremy's whereabouts, Jer- so hopefully he's I, hearing I, this I right texted now. him. Uh, he is alive. Okay. He is okay. alive, yes. Um, but yeah, um, so yeah, I'm Charlie. You're Brad. This week, we do have another guest with us, though. To my right, to your left, you have another fellow mailman here. Yes. Uh, you, you guys like to, to finger the mail and, and do, f- you know, yeah, the brotherhood. We the are brotherhood. both males. Uh, it's 2021. I don't know so, if we can say that, but so in addition sorry to, to assume your gender. I, I identify <laughs> as a mailman. Uh, oh, okay. my God. Right. Yeah, me too. Um, so in addition to being a mailman, you are also the promoter of Wiscasset Speedway. This is Ken Minot. What's up, man? Howdy, boys. What's going on? Thank you for coming down. We appreciate it. You brought a hell of a lot of fucking food and some pulled pork. I'm excited to suck that down in a minute here. Part-time barbecue guy. Yeah. Love that. I'm a full-time barbecue eater. (laughs) Yes. I was just about to say that. You you could ask me if I want pulled pork at 6 in the morning. I'd be like... Weird question, but yes, yeah, hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. Matter of fact, I would like that. Yeah. We're we're, get, we're working on getting Molly Point Barbecue off the ground. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, you, you're here. You made the trek out here. We appreciate it. Wiscast is not incredibly close to here, um, but for those that don't know, first question we like to ask everybody: Who who the hell is Ken Minot? Uh, good question. I don't know yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure that out? Yeah, I've been trying to figure it out for a while. No, I, I figured you guys had uh, enough 20-somethings on this show for a while. I'm going <laughs> to work on skewing the age much higher. All right, all I, right. We're like, we like it. Dare I say, I might be the oldest guest you've ever had on this show. We're not We're not ageist. Okay, so. no. good, good. Don't judge. Who have we had on that that's old? I don't in know a, if you should a, just name them out. In our regards. <laughs> Is that a bad luck if I do that? Yeah, probably, because okay. I, I have some names on the top of my head that I almost said, same, but I same, refrained from. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, no, so... I, yeah. I, uh, I grew up in Brunswick, um, farm kid. I came into this racing thing from an entirely different direction than probably 95% of the people you know. Um, never really got around to racetrack until I was in my late teens, early 20s. Um, summer days, I was in a hayfield 
or at a baseball game, whatever, but not at a racetrack. Um, when I got out of college, I came out of it. I went into college for an architectural engineering degree and came out of it with an academic dismissal and a radio <laughs> license. <laughs> so, I love so, it. Uh, One of us. <laughs> so uh, I, I ended up uh, a couple years later getting on a couple radio stations, uh, ended up in, on the radio for like 16 years bunch of different stations around Maine but uh, I was running a, a, a country station in Newcastle called Coastal Country and uh, this was 92 and Wiscasset Speedway was owned by Dave St. Clair uh, people might know him as Boss Hog and he was advertising on our radio station and uh, he, he called me up one day and said uh, I need an announcer to fill in for my last race of the season you want to give it a try and i i wasn't afraid of a microphone but i'd never called a race um the only exposure i'd ever had to any races was a couple times a year down at beach ridge with my father-in-law and my my wife so i'm like oh, sure i can bullshit my way through it as much as anybody else so um so i gave it a wing and then day went pretty well and at the end of the day dave says uh, the job's yours next year if you want it now when is this what's the time this was here? uh the end of the 1992 season so i was negative one yeah <clears throat> so that's good um so obviously you, you go into a you said you had a media degree or whatever it was yeah or, yeah uh, just uh, you end up on the radio now you're at a racetrack right so did you find yourself like completely out of the element or did you just were you like what the hell is this and just become fascinated with it i i had to i like i said i wasn't afraid of a microphone that helps you'd, you'd be amazed at grown men are frightened by one of these things and all of a sudden I, forget I, how to talk i ain't grown but yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah i get it <laughs> um so that part i was comfortable with but i had to figure out basically talk about what i saw but really couldn't lend any more uh ingredient to it at all other than just saying what i saw and i'm still nearly 30 years later i'm still learning the sport i'm uh, the, the closer i get to the garage the less i know i'm i'm, I'm a bit of a gearhead enough to be dangerous but uh, uh good enough to break stuff uh, yeah, yeah good enough to break stuff so um it's just been a learning process ever since. I love that. So um, have you ever bounced around? Has it always been Wiscasset? Uh, it's always been Wiscasset. Always. Always. For the, for, I, I did take a couple of years off. Um, the, uh, I, I went till 2008 and then uh, took a couple of years off. And when the Jordans bought the track, I got back into it in 2012. And So you, you've seen multiple different regimes then? Right? Yeah, I've worked so, for four different owners. Uh, so St. Clair's had it first, and then uh, Tom Mayberry leased it for a year in 2003. So, uh, so tell us about that then, because I'm sure that you've seen quite a quite a bit of good things, quite a bit of bad things. And what are, what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen to Wiscasset Speedway? Because I, I wanted to bring you on the show, and, and Bradley did too, obviously. But you know, Wiscasset, I think, is one of those places that a lot of people don't really know about it. They yeah. don't hear about it. It's not it's not one of those prestigious, you know, Oxford Plain Speedway. Right. It's not, you know, it's a and my job as the promoter, I my goal I've got specific little goals I always have, but my my big goal was just to make Wiscasset part of the conversation. I've always considered I love the place, but most people don't know about it and I always considered Wiscasset like the red-headed stepchild of, hey, of main yeah, racetracks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, Accurate. 
Oh, oh. man down. We're good. We're good. Um, <laughs> but uh, so my my goal easy. Um, <laughs> How are we going? <laughs> my goal was just to make Wiscasset part of the conversation, um, but the place has changed so much in in those twenty nine years that I've been there. Um, it was quite an ugly place when I started, and the St. Clair pam- family put a lot into it. But the most crazy thing that happened right off the bat was their old um, scoring tower. The first year I was there, the scoring tower is just a little building, just a little shed up on pylons, just cut off telephone poles and stuff. And when the wind would blow, the whole building would sway. There were two ladies in the scoring room, myself, and then Dave St. Clair is a big guy. And he would come stomping into the room to, to, you know, yell at the scorers or me or whatever, and the building would sway even more. So uh, the end of the 93 season, um, apparently uh, a good windstorm came about. It wasn't on a race day. It was in the off season, and the building actually blew off the pylons and rolled halfway down into the parking lot. <laughs> Holy um, shit. So, yeah, I didn't want to be in there. Would have been a hell of a ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, they – put in what is now the new front stretch tower in the place they paved the pits um you know st Clair's did a lot a lot with it um it was a drastic change when they wanted to take a break and and tom mayberry came in um he had a whole different way of operating um you know it was a bit of a change for me when you get used to things being done a certain way um got a chance to work with marco for a year uh we we <laughs> tagged him. yeah legend <laughs> yeah so uh um we worked together for a year um and bring, then we gotta we gotta bring back marco somewhere you have yeah. to hashtag yeah. bring back marco uh. <laughs> um so uh and then st Clair's retook the place um back to what they were used to doing uh all this time i was just announcing you know doing what i could and then uh in 2007 uh dave sold the track to doug white who was uh a racer um, owned DNK used cars up in Farmingdale and um, Doug took over the place and again just total different change he he uh, the place needed some work um, he he it was a he was a, a victim of some bad timing the, the economy was crashing at the time um, the car counts weren't there and uh, he, he didn't listen too much to the people that had been there for a while yeah. and uh, the way I like to put it is uh, he, he bought a fixer-upper and he put in new curtains first before he checked to see uh, if the foundation was leaking. Yeah. So uh, uh, so then, unfortunately, the, the, we didn't see eye-to-eye. I needed a break. I was getting severely burnt out and not liking what I was doing. So um, two of my girls were teenagers. My youngest was 10, and I'm like, I got to take a break. So uh, I retired, and... Uh, wasn't intending to go back and then uh the track actually shut down for a couple of years doug uh made it halfway through the 2010 season and then the place just went belly up yeah and uh it looked like the place was going to be closed for good and then uh dale chadborn one of the guys who'd been at the track for a long time uh hall of famer he uh he wanted to save the track because I, I guess it was some sort of ordinance with the town that if the place had been shut down for too long, it, it had to be raced once in in that year to be continued to be grandfathered in for the noise ordinance in terms of that they could still have a racetrack. There. Right. 
Um, yeah. And there and there were a lot of people in town licking their chops for the place to yep. close down. So, um, so uh, Dale talked me into coming out of retirement just for that one race. I'm like, sure, I'll help out. And uh, it was a great day. It, it we had a couple hundred cars in the pits. The the stands were full, but it, it took a lot of work just for that one race, and uh, <clears throat> showcased the place as a as a potential for a, a, a new buyer. And uh, fortunately, the Jordans came in the next year and, and bought it at auction, and the rest is history. The place has really come back. So, so to kind of touch on just the transformation of what Wiscasset Speedway is, or Wiscasset Raceway, I think at the time. At the time, um, yeah. uh, you know. So, the, this weird little community that we have, right? We, we're in our own little bubble. We always have been. That's just what auto racing is in general. It's the only sport where. You, you play against the same teams every week. Does that make sense? So yeah. you, you see everybody every week, and you become your own little little world. Now, in that world, you know, a few years ago, probably 10, Christ, 10, 10 plus years ago, um, to me, like, Beechridge is my home, right? That's right down the street from here. If something were to ever happen to that place, I'd be a mess. So to see people um, have that same reaction towards Wiscasset, to a place that I had never even been to or heard of was, was kind of mind-blowing. It was like, this place is just as special to other people as our racetracks are to us. Now, again, 10, 10 plus years ago, Tasha Dyer and I, actually, we went out there because I had never seen it. So I was like, can you just show me around, see what this place is like? And we go there, and the, the you know, she's she's raced there before. She's raced yep. all over the, the Northeast, all yeah. over Maine. She's won races all over the place. First time I ever went to Wiscasset, we pull into this place, and the grass is taller than the car couldn't even see the racetrack and we get up to the the thing there's this weird little cemetery there i'm like what the hell is this place and i'm like there's no way there's no way that there could be a race here ever and i'm like just inside the main gate there's a cemetery on a little on a little i'm like 16 17 years old i was like what in the fuck is this like this this is like relatively current that they raced on this and she's like yeah but they're trying to shut it down and then you know i started hearing about like the the save the racetrack day and this that the other thing and then the last three, four years, w- you and I have been working a little bit to try and, you know, cross pollinate or cross breed the the yep. sport series at Beechridge and the Super Streets at Wiscasset, and, and try to you know get cars going back and forth and, and having bigger car counts and, and try to promote you know both racetracks and have everybody work together. And in the amount of time that I've been there since the first time I go there, the grass is literally taller than the car that we're driving in there. To the last time we raced there was what last year yeah this past year there was cars all over the place stands were packed as much as they could be due to covid allegedly the, there's been a brand new wall built all the way around the racetrack right. the pit area has been completely repaved all new sidewalks walking areas the, it, the place is gorgeous and the fact that the jordans have stepped in to re not only refurbish but revitalize a place that was it was gonna be gone yeah it would it would probably just be a big old hay or you know grass field right now with a weird old racetrack out back and some people may not know this some some do but um when the jordans bought the track the day they showed up at the auction rich swears he did not have any intention of buying the place he just wanted to take vanessa out for an ice cream and uh oh let's swing by the track and see how things are going and by the end of the day he owns the place yeah but it's they are exactly what we need for you know the state of our sport to, to, we need people like that to to revitalize it because the second that these places start going away you know we're getting these people from 
you know, Connecticut, wherever that move up here and then they want to be on the board of their town and they want to shut these places down. It's like you move, you move next to a racetrack. Yeah. Um, I um, always like to say, don't blame us, blame your realtor. Yeah. Um, I, but no. I, I think that my new life motivation is, is to figure out a way to go out for ice cream and come home with a racetrack. <laughs> like, I'm serious. It I'm can serious. be done. Yeah. They, my they mind, just, like Jimmy Neutron brain blast <laughs> right now. Yeah. Unreal. Like, they, yeah. They, the, the, the Jordans, every time I have been back to Wiscasset since that day where the grass was taller than the car, there has been some form of improvement. They have not stayed stagnant in any way whatsoever. The thing I like about Wiscasset, I've only been there literally twice. Um, going to start going there more often for sure now. Um, that Now we have the podcast and stuff. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> So we do this radio show. Uh, but so like the, when I first showed up, a lot of places. So say, uh, can I don't know, New York. All right. So you hear about this racetrack in New York and you're, everyone's like, oh, it's a nice little place or whatever. You get there and you're like, this kind of place is kind of a shithole. Yeah. When you get to Wiscasset, you're like, this place is fucking nice. Yeah. Like I never in my mind was like, oh, this place. But I've, I've never saw it as you saw it back in the day, I guess. So. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or even six years ago. I mean, the transformation just six years ago. Um, turn one and two was all a, a dirt banking with tractor tires scattered, not stacked, just yeah. scattered all over the yeah. place. And, and, and three and four, you had to go fishing for race cars if they missed yeah. the track. And it, yeah. It's like a 40-foot drop, and you're, you're literally fishing for race cars with how a tow would, truck. This how would news. you like to go off that banking in, at, on a night race when there's a nice little dew oh, on, yeah. the, on the oh, oh you'd, the, the, yeah, You'd end up in the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, we, yeah. Used to, <laughs> well, we used to tell the record crew, just watch for whatever tree is shaking and then drive <laughs> yeah. over there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've never been good enough to where it's – so uh, part of the, the transformation that the Jordans have put in place is that they now have, like, a, a whole victory lane um, drive-up area around the outside of the racetrack, and victory lane is in the stands, basically. Pretty much, yeah. That's incredible. Like, that's that's so much different than just being down on the track and being so far away and be like, hi, guys, thanks for being here. You're literally in the crowd at that point, and that's that's one of the coolest things I've ever yeah. seen in a racetrack. And that, that scared the crap out of me when Richard said he wanted to do that because – I've I've done some victory lane interviews. You don't want these drivers anywhere near the fans. <laughs> um, and uh, but but when he put it in there and we added it, it, it's been amazing. The drivers hop. Out. Lots of times I have to run around looking for the driver because they're usually on the fence high fiving right. the kids and stuff. So that gets the families and the kids involved where they can't have the access like that to the to the drivers any other any other place that is cool you gotta you gotta think outside the box i remember the first time i was there i watching the cars go around the like wall i was like what the fuck is this guy doing <laughs> and it was just yeah. something that you don't usually see at other racetracks it, well it's neat too with the with the tour races that come in and they're not used to wiscasset watching them try to find victory lane yeah. you know we told you in the driver's meeting where it was and you know they're driving down into the pits and yeah. it just so, so speaking of the the thinking outside the box, another thing that Wiscasset has done that I love: five dollar grandstand tickets. Yeah, imagine that five dollar grandstand tickets. You can you can go to the races for cheaper than a movie for every show, not just the regular yeah. nights. Every and we race. we got kind of subtweeted last week. Did you see that, Bradley? I did. Yeah, but I understand where they're coming. I from. do too. Because they're, they're talking about tour races right. being there. Whatever. Um, but anyway, okay. um, that's not a whatever. <laughs> that's a big. That's a big um, factor. But yeah, in what the, the we're five dollar, the five dollar admission tickets. That's great. I think that that's a great way to get people there. You're gonna you're gonna make money up on the back end. I think every time, um, the place is packed every time. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, aside from COVID, it, it usually can't stand up in the the, the yeah. grandstands. It, it makes it affordable for people to bring their family, right. not just you know mom and dad, and then uh, you've spent the family the weekly budget just getting in the two of you in the track. So, but, but what I love too is that. 
you know, Wiscasset is a much different market than, say, even Oxford, Beechridge, going down to Connecticut, Stafford, Thompson, whatever. It's a much different market of people. Yep. So you guys are catering to the market that you have, and it, you're flourishing. It's yep. doing terrific. So looking forward, w- what's the next couple steps? What else do we have to do to get Wiscasset on the map? What are we doing to get you know, more bigger shows, tour cars, and stuff like that there? Uh, just continued work on, on my part, the Jordan's part, uh, reaching out, getting, again, back to that theme of making Wiscasset a part of the conversation. Oh, yeah, okay, I've, I remember that track now. Yep. I want to go back. Um, one thing that uh, big news we just laid out last week was uh, Speed 51 is going to be live streaming a bunch of our races this year, um, the Coastal 200, the Boss Hog 150, and some of the tour races that we have coming in. So that's going to bring our drivers and our fans, the racetrack, to a bigger audience that may not have seen it. And somebody may see it on TV and go, wow, i, I got to get there and race that track. Yeah, no, I, I love it. And, um, you know, I, I, there's really not much about Wiscasset that I have had anything bad to say about. And, and that's an approach we, we try to take is yeah. be welcoming to people who don't race with us regularly. Um, the Jordans, Richard and Vanessa, I mean, they'll treat you like you race there every week if you just roll in one time. One of the things that blew my mind, with the first, one of the first times we went back to Wiscasset, and the first time I was going to go race, actually, Vanessa is taking money to give you a pit pass. She owns the place. She doesn't have to be there. She yeah. could have just had anybody do that, yeah. but she and wants guess- to be a part of it, and she's the, she's got the big old smile, smile on her face. She loves it. Richard's the same way, loves to be at the racetrack. Richard's out in the parking lot on the golf cart giving people rides up to the, the window so they can they get love in it. in time. They Again, love it. this is the owner of the place. Yeah. So. yeah, you don't typically see that. You know what I mean? You just don't see the owners running around taking you know ticket sales and you know giving people golf cart rides and stuff like that. It's a very, very welcoming, very family-friendly place. Um, all around all around a great establishment. And n- not to mention, too, you know, that's all the, the fluffy good stuff. But it's also a badass fucking racetrack. It's a, what is it, three-eighths mile? Three-eighths, yeah. And it is fucking fast. Just enough banking to really get To be your, dangerous. Yeah, 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 exactly. And you and I had a, a Charlie actually sat in with me um, in the end of the 2019 season as a, a guest announcer and uh, called a couple races with me. And we <laughs> yeah, had I a, forgot about that, actually. Well, yeah. and, and you know what, we had a, I, I've, only driven a couple times I, mm-hmm. i've driven one competitive race in a, two or three fun races in my whole time there so i like to draw on the experience of you guys that have actually gone down there and raced and to me and i i can see this but you have felt it wiscasset races entirely different than tracks like beatridge or oxford it, it, it's in a way that so uh, say a beatridge oxford and Again, we're very. We're, I'm a. I'm a wicked homer when it comes to those places, just because mm-hmm. that's that's where that's what I've grown up at. Um, but at a Beechridge or an Oxford, you're very much you got a, you got an eggshell under the pedal. You're, you're trying not to break the tires loose. You're trying to be smooth, consistent. You know, not not get the car all jacked up and sideways, and you know, save your stuff at the same time. Where Wiscasset, you are hustling yeah. the whole time. You are up on the wheel. You're you're just digging the whole time because you're gonna get run over. It's a fast place. We're, even in the sport series, you know, Strictly's, whatever, we're probably doing over well over 100. Yep. Doing probably 110, 115, something like that at the end of the straightaways. I don't know if that would classify as well over 100, but keep going. But it's <laughs> compared to Beechridge where we're doing, you know, 85, 90. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's a – it's a that extra 20, is it, that's a big deal, you know, yeah. in a right. car like that. And, um, and the other difference I've seen, and we talked about this that day, was – 
in the racing action itself where a, a bump from a driver at Beechridge might get you out of shape, but you've got the ability to gather it up. That exact same bump at West Cassett will turn a guy around and oh, yeah. collect two or three cars. Oh, yeah. or, or you're going to land in the grandstands or right. something like that. And, and it's a very challenging racetrack, too. So it's not the typical high bank racetrack where you just barrel it into the corner, you know, have the track catch you, and then you just shoot it back the other way. You're still slipping and sliding all over the place. you got to hit your marks right. Turns one and two are completely different from three and four. Mm-hmm. One and two, you can see the whole thing. You know, you can see the whole turn going into it. You know where to hit your mark. It's going to catch you a little bit more. You go to down the backstretch in three and four. You go into three, you cannot see the exit of four when you're going into three, which is a little sketchy. Because of and the then, rock ledge. Because of stuff. the rock ledge and all that stuff there. And it's a little bit of a raised infield, and you just can't see the exit of it. So a lot of times there's something happened up in front of you that you don't see until you absolutely are almost on it. And um, not to mention the Olympic fucking ski jump that you have coming off a of four there. If, <laughs> if you hit that wrong, too. Uh, the fuck. We went there for the, the, the again, that cross that cross show, the sports series and yeah. the, the Super Street deal there. And I I brought a very, very, very aggressive shock package, which we were running at Beatrice for the open shows. And I hit that fucking bump in turn four, and I damn near thought I was getting a hot dog like four <laughs> times because that thing yeah. just took a hard right. And I looked at Maddie. I was like, we that we can't we got to change that we got to do something here and we just literally put a stock shock back on it and we were great we and, were so and there's better. a hometown advantage to the guys who race there regularly they know where to get oh, catch yeah. that bump and it'll almost toss well, the ass end of the car around it, and send you right down exactly the if you hit it right you're you have smoked me down the front stretch if you hit it wrong though you are i don't know where you're going oh, you're ch- i don't know where i'm going it right either. up yeah. under the flags and uh it, it puts on a hell of a show whether you're either driving or in, in the the stands there and it's a as sean foster would say it's a really racy joint yeah uh, it's a really sean racy would say joint. that yeah does it seem a little bit like a smaller version of dover where some bank tracks you're going up into the banking yeah it was casted you seem to go down yeah, into the bank kind of fall into it especially in turn one i would say yes yeah because you kind of fall into turn one and like I said, you can see the whole corner that, uh, through that that area there. Three and four, though, it's way more. It seems flatter, for sure. And it's just a super aggressive, abrasive racetrack that it, it's fun as hell to drive. Yeah. And for anybody that hasn't been there to either drive or watch, you, you just got to go. And we say that all the time, but Wiscasset Speedway, especially now that we're in the, the new era, the Jordan era of Wiscasset Speedway, with all these improvements, fan amenities all over the place, the place is gorgeous. If you haven't been, you gotta go. You just gotta. You know, you got the Boss Hog, like you said. You got the Coastal Two Hundred. Yeah. You got a lot of big events that you can promote and, and get people there. And we're gonna try our best to, you know, help you guys out in that regard too. And yeah, this you know, is get a that neat, coastal neat market that over we, to that racetrack. Neat thing that we just. It actually started with Vanessa and, and Andy Cusack having a conversation about doing a little cross promotion and kind of building on what we started uh, last year with uh, with the crossover. So we came up with this idea to run a 100-lapper at Beatridge in July and then a 100-lapper at Wiscasset, our typical end-of-season super street race um, in September. So um, anxious to see what, it, what what comes out with it. We're going to you know throw a little point fund at it and a little extra money. So and, it's a two-race point series, Yes. right? So it's like a, a double crown, if you will. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's something that needs to keep happening. We need to yeah. keep working together with these racetracks stop the fucking putting each other down stop the weird ass rules so that you can keep your own cars it's all nonsense it's all nonsense there's some uh, unnecessary fear about losing your drivers yeah 
Um, we have this, every, you know, we haven't touched on it, this schedule that we run. We have eight weekly divisions. Rather than run an eight-division show and have people there for 10 hours, we run two separate groups of four and then throw in a, what we call a flex class, a fifth division, which is a tour or something. Yep. And uh, it's... Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of lost my point where I was going no, with that. It, but it, it's just something that it, it's, we, we it's, let our guys – we don't have a problem. If on your off week you want to go race a beach ridge, go ahead. Yeah, you don't care. Yeah. What doesn't matter? The more that they're racing, the more they want to keep going to come, you know, right. come back and all that stuff. So, um, no, I love everything that you guys are doing over there. Um, and the, the fact how, – how did you also go from, you know, announcing the races to the promoter? How, did, how does that switch over happen, or did it just kind of come naturally as the guy who's talking to the microphone anyway? Um, some of it was naturally. Uh, some of it was just sticking around long enough where they said this guy might know what he's talking about, uh, or at least fooled him into thinking that. But uh, That's what I do my whole entire <laughs> life. <laughs> Love um, that. Yeah. Um, I've always been the kind of person, for some reason, who wants to be in some sort of leadership role. Uh-huh. Um, when I, I, I played baseball, I played slow pitch softball. I couldn't be satisfied with just being out there playing. I had to be the manager. Yeah. Places that I've worked, I, I just couldn't handle being a guy on the fringe. I always wanted to be somebody in the middle of everything that's going on. So this was kind of a natural fit for me. Yeah. Now, so if you are, say you're not as associated with the racetrack as you are, if you're you're someone who's been there as much as you have but you're not actually working for the track if i if me charlie is talking to ken what are some changes that you want to see still moving forward even after the huge growth that you've already had um to put you on the spot yeah well you know the continuation of of uh i'd like to see better racing in some divisions um I, I think uh our pro stock division kind of gets a bum rap but some of it is self-inflicted um there just needs to be a mutual respect there um so the continued if if they can race together better that's going to attract more guys from outside um you know it, i don't know that's a really good question there's there's you know on when you're sitting there sorting the mail or whatever and that's what i do i think about all my racetrack stuff while i'm sorting mail and getting it all out of order um i try to come up with these ideas about what what we can do um, but uh, not a whole lot coming to mind right no, now. I, I, I listen to podcasts while I put people's addresses in incorrectly into the database. <laughs> so we, we're, we're both on the same wavelength there. But uh, Well, I, I've told you, I think Charlie told the story when I started listening to your show. Yeah. Um, I would have BFP cranked up on my, <laughs> on my radio, on my Jeep while I'm delivering the mail, and, and uh, you guys are dropping f-bombs and all this all over the place and i've got the thing cranked up and you know joe bag of donuts comes to my car to get his mail hey yeah. mr mine how you doing today well, let me turn that down so, <laughs> yeah yeah you That's, don't need to be here you're that. talking about how charlie was a guest host or whatever a guest announcer that one one time and i can't i just can't no not only like i so like you said the closer you get to a garage you're you're in more trouble or whatever i i have no idea what i'm talking about i just talk like what i see 
Um, and I feel everything I say in life, I feel very unconfident in what I'm saying. <laughs> and not only that, but I also don't know how to talk without swearing. So it's a huge fucking issue. If I'm, <laughs> 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 right. I'm going to be in the booth anywhere, because people are like, oh, you should go announce at Bartlett with Charlie. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be fucking sweet. Like, I, but I'm not going to, there's going to be a lot of very upset go-kart mothers. Yeah, you got to have the, the, the ten, I don't, I don't have a filter. Delay, and on top of that, if I have a couple, two, three alcohols, <laughs> it's, it's just downhill from there as of last <laughs> night. Um, but yeah, last night. No, I think it's <coughs> my muscles have seized up. We'll get back. We'll get to that at some point. Oh yeah, we've we've had quite the weekend, which which you kind of stumbled across. Yeah, when you got I was here. gonna say uh, Ken saw a corpse when he walked through <laughs> the door today. Yeah, I'm like, uh, so, you know, so, so we we've had this plan for a couple of days. Yeah, and I, I I tell Ken the address. He shows up. He tells me he's gonna be here at three. Fine, not a problem. We'll watch the race. I was dead. So dead. <laughs> so dead. like. I feel just as bad as I did last week. Actually, way worse because my muscles are actually like throughout my body, not just my organs and my skull, but like my, the rest of my muscles are very not well. Um, but I'm just I'm in so much danger. I don't have a cell phone anymore. I'm like I've just been I'm just been like living on. Uh, I I've honestly just wanted my whole life to just get rid of social media fuck it like if i'm gonna keep any social media it's instagram because i like instagram and like pictures well, all, are cool. all i can picture is from listening to you guys talk this afternoon was <laughs> was the hangover oh you know yeah you, you gotta you gotta sit and i was there and look at the pictures and we did that i was doug <laughs> yeah we lost me um so legitimately we like, lost jeremy too. so we yeah i yes. we no idea where jeremy is lived. he on the roof no idea <laughs> he, can't, he got back from the titty bar and he Vanished. He vanished. And we literally, it was like middle of the afternoon today. And we're like, like the, such good friends we are. We were like, oh, yeah, where's where Jeremy? <laughs> yeah. um, it was so like an hour ago. We're we like, started. So we we had a we had a gaggle of really big idiots here. <laughs> and um, we were playing beer pong. And we never play beer. So I was drinking all afternoon. I, I got back, watched the Xfinity race. Um, that was a bummer uh, because I've bet on Noah the last four oh, weeks. Geez. And um Basically, I'm never going to financially recover from this. No one, no luck. Um, yeah, it, oh, I like what you did there. Um, so we're playing beer pong, and we actually put seltzer beers in the cups, which we never do because you're, you're putting people's hands in there, and there's like a, allegedly a pandemic going on and stuff. So we, we're, we're playing. We're drinking. Well, I'm playing with partners that refuse to drink the seltzer beers when someone <laughs> hits a cup. So I'm drinking all of them. So you're taking them all for the team. So well, I, I honestly Maybe. remember playing one game of beer pong. He played like seven. And Cassie and I won. So I want to know. <laughs> in my mind, Bradford zero oh, and six probably no idea because yep. I I swear I don't black out I so I black out every once in a while but I don't black out to the point where I remember I don't remember a huge portion of the night last night one of those nights you woke my, up jogging on my my yes. my Snapchat stories swear to God the golf one I remember sober the rest of them from the night. No idea. Well, I don't remember any of them. Your jaunt down two ninety five. Yeah. So we. Well, so we. So <laughs> there's a build up to that. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. so we started. What 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 re shit really hit the fan when we did the the alcohols in the cups? And I I love a beer pong. I love a good drinking game. Um, I was on the yeah. floor. <laughs> why <laughs> why were point. you on the floor? I don't remember. <laughs> okay. I was right. on the floor and somebody had knocked like three cups off the table, and they all landed on me. And I had to do a wardrobe change before the night even really got started. Now the floor is sticky. It's it, been an issue. The floor is not uh, the only thing that's sticky, no, pal. Yeah. So we, we, we were playing Pong, obviously. And, and I, Cassidy was my partner for the first game. We won. After that, apparently I was partners with Sammy. There's videos of Bobby getting slapped with a belt. Like, I don't. I don't remember any of it. Like we we did McGillicuddy shots, and there, I remember literally nothing after like, that. There's like there's like holes in the there, walls. Thank God there's we have like, 
Thank God we, there's, there's, there's wax, wax all the over the wall, wall from the Sensi's. giant BFP sticker in the dryer, yeah, in the, the washer. Yeah. <laughs> I, go to put, I go to put towels in the, the, the washer. There's a ginormous, like, Jake Johnson-sized Black Flag podcast sticker in the washing machine. Yeah. Still fine. So, Benny Belanger, that, that, uh, that thing's going to be nice and shiny and clean yeah. by the time it gets to you. The, the, I went to clean the table off. There was a shot glass literally welded to the wooden table. I here. love the fact <laughs> that we have these BFP shot glasses with our face on them, courtesy of the Graphics Coop. Thank you, Steve and Jess, longtime nice. supporters of the program. But, yeah, we like to put a – we haven't really used them. They're more decorative. But last night, oh, they got used. Apparently, because I don't remember much of the night. So, this is what happened. And welded to the table. This is what ha- – so, we so we like to party. Um, I don't remember. I Simon brought a sack. Too, I which. hold Simon always brings a sack. If you know what I'm talking about, so we. Long story short, we went to the titty bar, and I don't remember. I I, sw- I don't remember the lead up at all. Apparently, because I have Snapchat stories here of, that I don't remember. I don't remember the Uber ride at all to the titty bar. I don't remember getting into the titty bar and realizing I don't have my ID because I forgot my whole wallet because I didn't even I didn't even know my name last. Jeremy night. tried to get in with a fishing license. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that like because that was a good idea. But yeah. yeah, the Bradley forgot his entire wallet. Yeah, and then this is full blown Bradford at this point. Oh, and yeah, he doesn't dude. remember this, but he's like mad at us that he left his wallet at the house. I and think, we're we're like, excuse me. I don't know. And like you I'm said, just, yeah. a friend would have given him a ride back home to get it. Right. Yeah, best friends let you jog down two ninety five or ninety five. So actually. um. Yeah, that's where my night ended up. So from TTs, I don't know. I, in between me not getting inside of the booby store to about 10 minutes later jogging down I-95, Yo, my you, phone you got came to broken. Running down I-95. My phone, yeah, I, my phone shattered. And when I say shattered, I mean bent it is half. bent in half. In the back part of the phone is exposed. Like the, you can see the battery. The you can see the tracking devices. Yeah. You can see all of it. I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? And so it's it's beyond repair. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. So forget about it. I literally, for whatever reason, in my mind, I was like, I have nowhere to go. None of these people drove here. I thought everyone took an Uber. I just assumed because. Bobby for know, sure drove there. I didn't know okay. Apple had well, a flip phone, right? Yeah, <laughs> Apple. Well, they do now. Um, it, it, I'm an innovator, if you will. Uh, but so, some for some reason in my mind, I was like, "Let's." I'm gonna just walk back home. It's not that far. It's like five miles. So I start <laughs> Which is walking. Way longer once you start doing it, than it is. I start head. walking, and I can only imagine the thoughts going. So, so keep. This is my outfit right now. I'm wearing a sweatshirt with a t-shirt on that, in big print on the back, says "Small Dick, Big Heart." You're welcome to everyone driving down 295 <laughs> and I-95 last night at about between midnight and 2.30. Yeah. Um, what a scene. And so I walk past the toll booth attendant. Didn't pay. Probably not because I didn't have my wallet. But, uh, <laughs> Did no, you have an easy pass on? Uh, maybe. No. <laughs> I literally might have. I have no idea. <laughs> this was full form Bradford. Did the light turn yellow when you walked through? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it did. I was, Call I was, service. At that point, <laughs> at that point I, was, I would try to call, but my phone was in half. Uh, so I literally came through running past the airport <laughs> and the airport is about probably a mile past from pts to the airport down i-95 is literally like a mile Ooh, i yeah. ran i mean i walked or whatever came through there and i literally stopped sat down on the guardrail and i was like i've made a very big mistake <laughs> a ve- like a like a massive massive mistake <laughs> and then i honestly was sitting there and i remember looking at like the airport and just looking at every tractor trailer that went by and i was like which one would hit me the hardest? Yeah, and uh, and 
there was probably some tears involved. And you're halfway. I was, you don't know I whether was to cunty. go back or go yeah. home. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. And so I was like, I'm just gonna go home. So I'm now. I keep walking. Um, and I I did a lot of jogging, and I I found that out when I woke up this morning and In got out of bed. Excellent running shoes, from what I heard. Oh, moccasins. Yeah. yeah. Slippers. You wore slippers to the booby store. <laughs> And then you decided to run allegedly <laughs> down I ninety five in know your slippers. Exactly what happened. And then you wonder when you get home why you hurt so bad. And why your feet are fucked up. Listen, I didn't make these decisions. <laughs> Brad- that was Bradford. My my left left I was gonna say left rear, but it you get it. The left <laughs> moccasin is caked in mud like you read about. The right one is not, which doesn't make much sense because you'd think I'd be dipping the right side off the pavement. You would think. And I, my, my ankle has a gash that is about six inches. I don't know. We're rounding up probably about an inch and a half. Well, but you get it. Six inches, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, I, I always round up, you know. I, I'm a mess. I don't have a cell phone anymore. No. I've been living like I'm just... I'm like riding a high right now because like I'm in so much danger and like I want to call out of work tomorrow, the but I can't call. A, the adrenaline has not worn off. I don't yet. think pay phones are still a thing. So, I don't know. So while uh, Bradford is jogging down I-95 back to the house, this is literally a six-mile at least <clears throat> jog. We are now in the booby store. We all get in, and I realized not until we left that Jeremy did not get in because he also <laughs> forgot his wallet. And tried to get in with his New Hampshire fishing license, which doesn't have a picture. Of it. Dude, he could have came for a run. So it didn't work. But anyway, we're in there. Charlie has become Charles. Bobby has become Robert. And Rusty has become full-blown Russell. And we are causing so much of a scene with the gaggle of really big idiots that we have that we actually got the strippers to throw their money at us. Nice. I'm going to say that one more time. You got to work for it. Probably would have bought me a replacement phone, but that's fine. We caused enough of a scene where the strippers were throwing their money at us. They are hustlers. Yeah. They they hustle for their money. They do not give it away. Apparently, you did And they were throwing it at us. Apparently, you did an, oh, my God, Bobby, I have money with a a stack of doll hairs. You you found that? So that was full-blown Charles? You don't remember any of that? Oh, full-blown Charles. Do you remember bouncing on a chair and being like, oh, boy, I now own this chair? They didn't carefully place it in the waistband? They just threw it at you? No, they just just threw it at us. So now I am full-blown Charles, and I, I, I cause a scene from time to time. Allegedly. Okay. <laughs> Listen, I'm the one with a phone in half. I jogged six fucking miles down a highway, which is super illegal. Oh, my God. Dumb drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least you weren't driving. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I think that was the responsible. Yeah. Case. Oh, my God. I, that's what they label me as, responsible. So, so anyway, we're at the movie store. How was that go again? Really big idiots. Yeah. yeah, I'm a really big responsible. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a res- responsible. <laughs> yep. I'm a responsible. You're a one response. Oh, my God, One Direction. Yeah. There was only One Direction last night, and it was fucking home. My, so G- my Gippus was... Fucking- we're, getting, we're getting dollars thrown at us by the strippers. We, we, Bobby, or uh, I'm sorry, Charles and Robert at this point have now fallen in love with one of said 
um, entertainers, if you will. Was that the one with the extremely hairy butthole? <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and uh, she, they, they only do a, a rotation of three or four songs, and they, they bring the next um, uh, single mother out. On I'll the show stage. you a rotation. <laughs> so Bobby and I are now full-blown in love, and we, we have been known – Bobby started it, but we have been known to go to like concerts and things like that. And you call for an encore and you just scream at the top of your lungs, one more song, one more song. And then we get like, you know, Green Day or whatever to come out and play, you know, another song, whatever. Mm -hmm. So we were doing this with the strippers. Yep. And and, and they kept doing it. And, and we were we were running the show. It was wild. Nice. And then Russell uh, scrolls up in his, his fucking little wheelie chair deal there. And uh, he, he he goes to you know put money on on this one particular uh, gentle lady up there, and uh, she does one of these wild you know backhand flip flip aroundy do's, uh, whatever you know triple toss, Cornelius deal there, and Tri triple ending <laughs> yeah, and uh, triple sow cow or whatever it is, and <laughs> Russell bolts back from the thing, <laughs> looking at us like a little kid. Scared out of his mind, puts his money back in his pocket. And he's like, "She has a hairy bee hole." <laughs> it's like, "Oh, Russell, don't, you can't, you can't yell that." Uh, so yeah, and then I, I found money in my pocket. I, I allegedly, I don't remember this, and um, I, I got real excited like a little child as well too. I just, I hope that I didn't hit I, someone else's personal belongings with my cellular telephone because it must have hit something very hard. I'm thinking you bent it. I don't think I did. I see that. So my theory, okay, the cell phone theory here. Bradley and I have seen it multiple times. When he is, that mo it, when he says multiple, he means once. Once, like, like literally four to nine times, six to nine times. Okay. Well, nice. But I, no, no. <laughs> I've seen him get upset, even with the laptop. No, I didn't. It was, I wouldn't do that with my laptop. My and, phone. And can he get went it. to like bend it in half. He's like, oh, I probably shouldn't do this with this expensive laptop, and then he stopped. I have insurance on my. And I've phone. seen it. Yeah. I've seen him do it with his phone. Where bah! And I think that he was to the point last night where he finally just snapped are his phone. You, when you, you were, what, maybe it was when you were sitting on the guardrail. I mean, Christ. Yeah, I, I've I, been I've been working on. I could it, be does wrong. It show because like know. I've tried it, it before and it hasn't like, worked. It doesn't look like a strike impact. It, it, it looks like, like a torsional. It looks like it was maybe like I gronk spiked it on the ground, and then when I went to go try to get hit by a semi, it was just my phone that got hit. Yeah, maybe I don't know. it is. It is, dude. <laughs> it is. It's dead. So we, we exit the booby store at closing time, which is now 4 a.m. because we move the clocks up, right? Which Bradley just realized about an hour ago. Yeah. Oh, I had a realization. was actually so, only two so hours. So we're, we're on the couch, and <laughs> I, was like, of, I was like, I was like, I. So we, we drove. So we, we went to breakfast this morning, and we went to four establishments that are no longer establishments. Like, we were trying to just go get some food. It uh, didn't, like, didn't matter what it was. And every establishment was closed or torn or, down. Or not there. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so then we, we go to our, our simple Simons, which is right down the road off Route 1, Scarborough. Great place. Nice place. We ruined it last week. We ruined it this week. And so on our drive over there, the route that we were taking was damn near near the booby store, all the way back to Simple Simons. And at one point, I'm like, this is the exact route that I ran last night. And everyone's like, oh, my God, this is pretty far. And I'm like... <laughs> oh, do you want to see my heel blister? Yeah. <laughs> because I'm walking on my tiptoes on my left side, uh, and I can barely move right now. I don't run. I don't do cardio. Uh, well, sometimes. But it's it was bad. And so it, then at one point, I'm like, I think that I ran for like three and a half hours. And Sammy goes, why did it take you so long? And I'm like, it was six miles. And she's like, 
yeah, but that shouldn't take you three hours. And I'm like, well. Do you have residuals from having the Ronies? I think so. I now have asthma. You have the COVID lung? Yeah. And so, but then I was sitting there, literally, so she said this at like breakfast. It was like 11 a.m. We get to like 4.30 in the afternoon. And I like Jimmy Neutron again, brain blast, light goes off. And I'm like, do you know why it fucking took so long? It took so long because in the middle of my jog, we set the clocks forward. <laughs> that was it. Was a two-hour jog. You did good. I'm so proud of myself. You did real good, I ran huh? a marathon. Knocked an hour off your best time. Oh my god! There was no ribbon when I got home, but that's fucking whatever. <laughs> I don't know what. So everyone was telling me that I was mad at all of my friends, and oh, I don't. Very mad. And I don't. Could have been. I he was. I don't remember. He was real upset. What with I do. He forgot his. Wallet. What I do remember though is that at some point during my journey for literally whatever reason on my like almost back to the house as i'm jogging i'm like a mile away now full-blown sprint back to the house i'm like i'm almost there i can see the light at the end of the tunnel and i was just gonna be cunty to whoever it didn't matter but i was (laughs) like whoever was in the line of fire not even because on the way there i'm like anyone that's not named cassidy griffith or sean foster i will be cunty to right now (laughs) and i literally ran into the house and Cassie was the only one here, and I was like, oh, right, she can't get into the booby store. <laughs> and I sat down, like, in the chair, and I'm like, I don't think you understand that I just ran more than I have ran in the last three years combined. And she's like, you did what? She, like, woke up, and she's like, what? Jeremy texted me asking if you were okay, and I'm like, I'm never okay. <laughs> but I was not okay, for sure. I, my phone is now in pieces. So, um, so speaking, speaking of Jeremy. Exciting. He couldn't get in because he, again, tried to get in with a fishing license from New Hampshire. <laughs> Out-of-state fishing license. Love Because that was <laughs> So, uh, again, being the great friends that we are, he disappeared, didn't think anything of it. Well, I didn't know if he was also running home. That honestly just kind of... And about an hour ago, you asked where he was. Right. Like, right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where yeah. is he? Right. Yeah. So we get we get it. Ken get was done. part of the search party, and we, he wasn't part of last night. <laughs> we, we get done at like three thirty, four in the morning, and we go into the truck, and Jeremy sits up. What's up, guys? I'm like, have you been sitting here the whole fucking time? He just sat in the truck for three and a half hours. You know what sounds better than what I did? <laughs> fucking that. <laughs> but the problem is that I didn't have a phone, so what I was going to look at, I was just going to basically in synopsis in review. We need cameras on us at all times oh my yeah, god and GoPro. probably can you imagine i don't even want to say a babysitter but like oh yeah probably a babysitter a, a handler yeah a handler that's a good, is a good yeah. Word. yeah okay speaking of handlers switching gears real quick um there my neck is kind of cold right now um for people that don't have me on uh, instagram or snapchat the mullet it's gone gone so yeah. And speaking of handlers, I needed a fucking PR team on Friday. <laughs> I posted on Snapchat and my Instagram, and I was driving. I was this time I was driving down I ninety five, and I'm driving as I'm driving to the graphics scoop to go get some shit. My phone started smoking. I'm actually gonna blame the, the the mullet cut and everyone freaking out about it on the reason why my phone is now broken. Um, doesn't have any correlation, but it does in my head. So that we're gonna talk about it. But <laughs> like people, people were mad, mad. I mean, yeah. like. Like a lot of a lot of women were not as mad, but the the boys were. Sometimes Jesus it. Christ! I mean, like that's like tapping out. You yeah, know? I know. I know. Well, I, I see. So uh, when I, when I was getting my <laughs> hair cut, so I always walk in and Shelby's like, "So what are we doing?" And I, I'm always just like, "Just good life." Barbara just touch. Yep. She. Yeah, they can stay. She cuts everybody's hair. Yeah, and I look. I look 
fucking good. Sorry. Um, not not to bring myself in. <laughs> <For sure, laughs> I literally, yeah. Rusty and Bobby walked downstairs, and Ru- I don't. I was pretty drunk when Rusty said it, but Rusty said something about, like, you need to, like, save some pussy for the rest of us. And yeah. I'm like, Christ. And he's like, he's like, now you look even better than you did before or something. I don't know. Whatever he said. But um, I was drunk, so I just probably took a little bit of what he said and made it into what my, my head wants him to say. Right. So thank you for saying that I look good, Rusty. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so I walk in, and I'm like, I usually just get a touch-up. I'm like, just trim it up. Make it look whatever presentable. Never really looks presentable because business in the front, party in the it's just a. Uh, so I walk in and I'm like, I think the mullet is on its last day, and she goes, Are you seriously gonna cut it? And she's like, You 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 started the trend. You're gonna end it. And I was like, See, I like to be the one to say that I started the trend. I pressure you were no, Mad Max to Oliver. Wow, was the trend starter yeah. in my mind. Out of the people that I know, Mad Max had a mullet, and I'm like, I'm gonna. I did. I literally did it for a weekend, and I had it for a year and a, a half at least. So you know, it had a good run. But all good things must come to an end. And now I look fucking presentable. <clears throat> I can't present because I need like beta blockers. Because I, I, I would bring you home to my mother now. Oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Oh, Do you want to meet my mother? Uh, not really. Oh, <laughs> Do you think rude. she heard that? Maybe. Is that rude? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so so now that you've heard this yeah. and, and based off of what like we have a race car seat down here too that now has put like a hole in the wall mm-hmm. uh, so it mm-hmm. was it was a scene our mics I were like, in pieces th- does this make sense why you saw a dead body when you walked in yes ab- okay. absolutely this brings back so many terrible <laughs> memories uh, wow. what do you think of the compound I, you, I, I love it you, you've been a fan of the show for so long we, we interact and uh, this is your first time here this uh it doesn't do justice. If pe- no. people have to see this in person, um, it's it's amazing. It's a scene. Yeah, it's a I, everything I, we do is so incredibly extra. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It'll just like like Matt. Everything. So I when Matt said that last week, he's like, I didn't really <laughs> understand like how, you guys, how you guys operated, and then I witnessed it, and now I kind of understand. And I, I when I heard that, I, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, well, like, people well, people operate like us all the you time. you and I, it's normal. People people operate like us all the time. And then I jogged six miles down I-95. That, that doesn't happen. People don't go with a shirt wearing a t-shirt a that says, small dick big heart. The whole time I was running, thumb out. I was trying to yeah. get a ride. I didn't care who was going to pick me up. It was a, it was. It's kind of <laughs> rude that no one picked me up, to be honest. I was going two miles down the episode road. Episode 106, Small Dick, Big Heart with Ken Miles. <laughs> <laughs> Take a pick. Yeah. yeah. Sold. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, well, I, dick I, measuring I, competition. Love, I love what you guys have been doing. I mean, it's it's uh, it's different, which is oh. sometimes what's needed. I mean, yeah. oh, we're different. One one thing, the episodes that I get the, the biggest kick out of, I mean, every episode has useful information and a lot of non-useful information. Um, <laughs> yeah, most. The, the, ones, the ones that always get me just chuckling and like the most puzzled look on my face are the ones where you guys are trying to recreate where you've been and what you did over the course of a week and it i, I always feel like it's an episode of inception you know, <laughs> i i need to have one of those little tops to spin yeah, to make yeah. sure that I, i'm not asleep well, it's because uh, we'll go from monday to friday it, back to monday then we'll hit wednesday then we'll like, charlie do saturday and, back to tuesday yeah, charlie and brad the add chronicles <laughs> oh, you know? oh yeah bad bad, bad. bad. yeah like yeah. like you read about yeah. it like but i think what's cool so i don't I think that what we, what we do is incredibly mediocre, and Charlie does too. And, we, and I think that it's not anything to write home about. But I, I also think that our demographic, whether – I have friends that don't go to the racetrack weekly, but they can – they'll listen, and they'll have a great time listening because they like alcohol or they like racing just enough to listen. And I think that it gets people that 
maybe the diehard racer that wants to listen to the Dale Jr. Download or even Door Door Bumper Clear, right. any of these podcasts, you can listen to those, and I listen to those. But it's like we are just we're we're bringing up game day to the racetrack. Yeah. We're bringing yeah. game day to the racetrack. We're we're partiers who like to race. Yeah, yep. yeah. yeah. We part. We like to party with race cars in the background. Yeah. Like and that's and that's what so like my whole thing like I like I said last week I don't care if I ever race again I raced like you said you raced a handful of times competitively I raced twenty maybe a little bit more than twenty times and it was fun it was cool but like honestly what really kind of bugged me to I guess bring this back off of our fucking bender back to racing was like I would literally get out of the car and I would run I, the the truck I guess I would run to the top of the hill. Because the legend cars were after me. Yeah. I wanted to watch the legends. Yep. I didn't care how the race went. I didn't need to sit there and debrief about what I thought fucking went, went on. I just wanted to get up there and watch the legend cars. Because the legend cars put on a hell of a show. So, honestly, in my mind, I'll show up to the racetrack. I'll help from time to time. I'll, but, like, like I, I get clammy. Like, if Charlie's like, will you change his tire? I'm going to do it. But yeah. I, I will be clammy while I do it. Because I'm afraid, like, what if I just forget a lug or, like, two? And Charlie just backs into the fence and right. destroys his $30,000 car. And then that's my fault. And I'm like, well, you know, fucking. Do you want to hear about my entire racing career? Yes, I do. I, I can <laughs> sum it up in about 10 minutes uh, or less. Um, I, I've been in a race car four times. Um First time I raced our track photographer, Peter Taylor, a couple of brothers had these beat-up shitbox mini stocks. And, oh, uh, great. Don't call them that. Oh, God. Jesus. Have some respect. Yeah. Please call it a right. late they, model they with flag extra chromosome. The yeah, they, have, they put <laughs> on the best on the show compared to any touring series, we've been told multiple times. Yes. Um, so shitbox <laughs> racing. <laughs> yeah. um, so these brothers let us borrow their cars, and the photographer and I went out for like, just this little five-lap match race. And... Uh, and he beat me. And the thing that I did wrong, and I weapon of the week at the time, um, I went up to do, I'm like, hey, he beat me. I want to do one of those congratulatory donuts on the door. Well, we're coming out of turn four, and I hit him so hard, I actually turned the car around sideways, and I pushed him by the driver's <laughs> door all the way through turn four. Oh, good. Um, so, And I, I did some damage to one of the brother's cars, and they wouldn't let us borrow it again. So... Um, we raced again, and I, I beat him the second time, so uh, we're, we're tied still. Um, <laughs> I, I love that. In, in 2003, we did uh, uh, the Allison Legacy cars came up, and they did one of those sign and drives, and um, I tried one out, and I, I hopped in, and you definitely don't want to be claustrophobic driving one of those things, but of course I was, and um, I thought I was just, my hair was on fire. I was just you know, breaking track records left and right. And I get out of the car and I ask my wife, man, was that great? Was I flying or what? And she, she was just laughing her ass off. Like we, I was waiting for you to actually speed up. You know? oh, I can relate to that. <laughs> um, but the only race I've ever been in uh, two years ago, uh, three years ago now, um, I get to race in an enduro. I show up at the track and Dave Brandon, our, our tech man, points at the car right beside the tech garage and said, uh, hop in the car and see if the seat fits. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you're driving that tonight. So uh, I get in this 100-lap Enduro, and they've got me starting right in the middle of the pack, about, I think we had 50 cars. And uh, it took me two laps into that race to realize I was not going to win it. <laughs> um, I, about two laps, three laps into it, I was already lapped down. So a uh, change of strategy at that point. 
I, hit everything. <laughs> I, I climb up to the third groove, and I'm like, if I'm not going to outrace them, I'm going to outlast them. So I hop up in the third groove. I stayed there the entire race, but the car had a problem. It had one of those things, safety things with the transmission. Oh, yeah, yeah. Locked down in second gear for like 20 laps in that race, <laughs> just burning the thing up. But uh, I finished the race. 19th out of 50 cars 25 laps down but i finished the friggin' race so. better than 26 laps down yes no. so i that's my racing career yeah I, my it's racing pretty close to mine too. i don't my race my racing if my racing career is over right now i don't give a shit like i honestly swear to god like when i get to so it's it's weird because everyone else is like oh once you finally like get into a race car like you get that itch and it's like i have the itch like i i wouldn't hate racing but i would so much rather like my a lot of like when I say like my main friend group, that's not like the one, like everyone that was here within the last 24 hours is like my main friend group. Like the yeah. people that I like top Thank favorite. You. T- yes, exactly. Thank you. Top favorite humans of all time. Everyone that was here in the last 24 hours. Um, my friend group that I grew up with, they don't like they'll, they'll, they'll race car. They'll go to Loudon every year, but it's, it's kind of like pulling teeth to get them to a local racetrack. But when, when they do, they're like, let's get drunk and watch the race cars. So, Charlie could be racing and I'm like, all right, well, let's go, you know, let's go to the bar. Let's go to, let's go to this. Let's go to the pits. We'll, we'll just, we'll drink in the parking lot. We'll play some cornhole. We'll just have a good time. And that's like, honestly, I feel like when Mamba said that, I was like, my, like blown away. I'm like, that, that is one- what I'm trying to do is like, I've, that's what I've always done is, is we would literally show up. Like I said this last week as well. Like my, all my friends, we would have a group text or whatever at 4:35 ish whatever on a saturday we were going to show up to beachridge because we all worked in portland right down the road so we would just go we would honestly get a little caesar's pizza we'd get some like red's apple ale because we were like fucking children and we would get like a football or we'd have baseball gloves and we would literally just be out tailgating the only ones in the parking lot maybe like later on towards the race there would be more people that show up but like we would literally just be playing ball drinking beer we'd go into the, the race have a grand old time just sitting in the grandstands watching the race cars and it i don't know it's just that that's kind of i'm trying to i've i've done like the whole thing and that now like that was before i even raced and then i went and i raced and i'm like oh i kind of like understand a little bit more of that when it comes to like beatridge i I raced oxford one time but just just like the you're sitting in the car you're strapped in like you're you're, you know the the anxiety that you go through and like just being out on the racetrack and like competing with those people and that's something i always want to do as a kid and i checked that off and like bobby was saying last night he's like i was listening to door bumper clear and like they brought up the fact that mike joy called out noah gregson because he's a spoiled rich kid quote unquote but the door bumper clear who, who they've been very hard on noah throughout forever like i listen to them every single week and they've they're they're part of junior motorsports i guess that they at least do the show inside junior motorsports they've been hard on him and they brought up the fact that they're like anyone that is racing at any competitive level has some sort of backing yeah and and bobby last night was just like everyone that i know has something behind them and then he looked at me and he was just like except for brad brad really didn't have anything (laughs) (laughs) and like honestly i lit like i literally mowed lawns i worked at play it again sports i worked at smitty cinema i saved money yeah i raced a shit box and i can say that because i raced one um late model with extra chromosomes except it was a truck but you get it um same thing in four cylinder shitbox. and like i just i feel like i i earned it i raced and now i'm like i am gonna i wanna i wanna help i want to get my friends to the racetrack and enjoy watching racing as much yep. as i do and a lot of my friends are like i want to race one day and, and that's, that's cool to, to me as a promoter 
that is an important component of what this sport is. Yeah. Um, getting the casual people in, bring them into the tent, bring yep. them, you know, yep. the old, the old PT Barnum thing, yeah. just get them into the tent. That's you know? like, and it's, it's part of, so I was thinking of questions to ask you today. And like, one of the things that I was, I was really curious about, I guess, is that, so people get into like a, you're going to do a routine a schedule. So like, like for me, it was Beatridge Saturday. This time we're going here. Friends are going to meet at this time. We're going to do this, this, this race. starts at seven, whatever. So now with COVID, like the, how difficult do you think that it's going to be? Is it going to be for people to come back to the racetrack? Cause obviously there's a handful of people probably that are in the older demographic or whatever, people that are really, you know, interest, like not interested, but I guess like Inter, I don't even know what the word I'm trying to fucking say. Um, again, my brain has a pulse this week. I'm just talkative. It's just, it's different. It's weird. It's a different kind of uh, whatever's going on. Organs are still failing. Might pass away in my sleep tonight. But Sweet. like how, I guess like what I'm getting at is like how, like do you think it's going to be difficult to get people back to the racetrack where, whereas last year maybe they weren't able to or they were just kind of like scared to, I guess. Um, and, L- and, a little bit of both, I think. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of people who, you know, safety be damned i want to be at the track and you know that's a whole nother argument about you know why we have to wear masks and social distance and all that stuff but um i think you have to accommodate the people also who are a little skittish they want to be there but they also want to be safe so i've seen some tracks like stafford have done this um and we're considering doing it as sectioning one part of the grandstands that you got to wear a mask in that section and that way if there's people who are a little skittish you know i i don't want to bring it home to my grandmother or whatever then you can sit in that section uh you know find a way to accommodate everybody yeah it was was last year like because i looking at it from afar how (laughs) how tough was it like just not knowing just the complete cluelessness of of when you're going to be able to have fans when you're going to be able to have a certain amount of fans or whatever that was i i was the one that had to deal with the state um Vanessa, God bless her. She she was smart enough to like not want <laughs> to talk to them to let you do it. So <laughs> yeah, um, she'll, she'll she'll do the pit bracelets, but you're going to deal with this. Yeah, so <laughs> so it's like slamming your head against a wall. You know, they we would invite them to come to the track so they could physically see what we're talking about. You know, we are not an indoor entity. We're right. we're a large outdoor facility. We can socially distance people. We can be at we were asking for just 25%. We saw the New Hampshire tracks were getting 50%. We're like, we'll take, we'll take 25%. 25% for us is 750, 800 people in a grandstand that holds 3,000. Um, we felt bad for Oxford. 200 people in the stands that hold 8,000 people is yeah. just, it's ridiculous. But yeah. at the same time, you got to take what they give you, regardless of how crappy it is. Um, because if you argue with, argue with them too much or try to, uh, you know, say, screw you guys, we're going to do what we want. Unfortunately, those people have the ability to shut your business yeah. down. So you're kind of at the mercy of, of what they what they give you. So um, so we said, OK, uh, we'll do exactly what you say. We'll limit it to 200 people in the grandstands. And that's all we're going to do. That's why you saw more than 200 in the pits. So. Yeah, yeah, you, can, yeah that's, you can't catch COVID in the pits. COVID only right. lives on the grandstand yeah. side. That was, that was funny. It was uh, like, no, I, I think that you, you, you specifically and the track itself it did a, a phenomenal job last year to not only navigate the waters of figuring out COVID, which everybody was. It, right. There was no correct answer for anything. Um, I think you guys did a great job keeping the place open, but also – 
keeping like you, know, you still had your big shows. Yeah. You still had the the Super Street, you know, the Sports Series deal. You had yeah. your Boss Hog. Shootout. You had all that stuff. Yep. You know, I, I I applaud you. I commend you. I think that you guys have done a phenomenal job. Um, moving forward, I'm excited to see what you guys continue to come up with. Um, and and I just I'm excited to see what you guys do. Yeah, uh, and to change subjects, I I've been dying to ask you this. Uh-oh. This is this is a kind of a grinds my gears thing, and and I figured I'm going to talk to a race car driver. We haven't done a grinds my gears in a very yeah. long time. Yeah, I'm bringing it back a little bit. Love um, that. Yeah. But uh, from me being an outsider who I've been around this sport for 30 years now, but am not a driver. Why do race car drivers think? that everything is somebody else's fault because and and, and there's a reason i say that but i want to hear your answer first so as a race car driver you whether it's warranted or not you get full publicity you get full credit for everything that your car does Mm -hmm. so if the one car goes out and wins the race my name is the one that goes in the book my name is the one that goes in the you know everybody that got to see me i am the one that got to talk got to do this that the other thing and I think that sometimes people take that to heart where maybe me, uh, maybe I'm the only one that thinks of it like this, but where I'm representing Matt King, hmm. you know, his girlfriend, Ashley, her kids, everybody that shows up for me, where if, if I, if I do a fuck up, you almost don't want to be embarrassed for the rest of your crew. Yep. And also we're all stupid. We're all hotheads. We're all, you know, I could be the nicest person to you in general, and the second I put a helmet on, I'm a completely different person. Yeah, I, I've, I've literally been called Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Oh, I've seen that in a lot of race car drivers. And it's, awesome people it, out of the car, complete assholes and, in the car. And I, I've been called that, I and I have been that. I, I'm not saying I'm a saint in a race car. I, I will never or ever Or out of a race that. car. No, my God. No. <laughs> um, but it, it's, some, it's one of those things that you take so much pride in what you do. You have so much invested in it mentally, financially, mm-hmm. physically, that... Yeah, you, know, you, you just sometimes you just straight up don't want it to be. Your or, fault. or if yeah. something does happen, um, it isn't necessarily that it was the other guy's fault, but the other guy did it on purpose. Yeah, I hear that a lot too. Yeah, it's it's because it gives an it, it's an excuse to where you you get out of it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the easy, it's it's the the dog, easy way out. It's the dog ate well, my homework. And, and here's the, he, here's the attitude I bring into this is that. And coming from an out, I, even though I've been in this sport for this long, I still consider myself an outsider because I don't race, I don't drive. I think sometimes you guys who are in in the game lose perspective on exactly how difficult it is to do what you do, how much talent it takes to do what you do, whether it's at the short track level or if it's a NASCAR. And I always put it in this perspective when I tell people about what you do. I'm like, go out on the highway, get your car up to 90 miles per hour in traffic. And now imagine doing that in a one-third mile circle and nobody's got brake lights no. uh, at night. I've never really thought um, about it like that. So yeah. th- th- that's a way to put into perspective what you guys are doing. You're driving an inch away from somebody at 90 miles an hour in a one-third mile circle. And then I, I brought this up. My The first race I ever went to, NASCAR race, was down in Pocono. And we're driving home through Hartford, Connecticut in four or five lanes of traffic. You know, everyone bunched in, but we're all doing 80 miles an hour. And I looked at my wife and I said, imagine driving in this traffic 100 miles an hour faster than we're going right now. 
and that kind of puts in perspective what the NASCAR guys are doing. Like so, what Daytona or Talladega is. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So um, I, I think a big uh, key part to it, too, though, is that as much as, you know, we like to fuck around and say, you know, oh, we suck, you know, I, I'm not that good. You know, that's a very that's a very our group of friends type of thing to say. Like yeah. Bobby and I will joke about all the time about how we suck at driving race cars. I think that we don't actually think that. Yeah, but it it gives you a load off in terms of what you have to deal with to the general public. But when you are in that race car, and if if you don't think this when you're in the race car that you can't, don't have a possibility of winning that race, you m- maybe should try something different. Yeah, because you are so competitive, and it like you said, you you are inches away from other race cars, going very high speeds on a closed course that is not the easiest thing to do and i've never really thought about it the way that you just said that so thank yeah. you for kind of bringing that up and, and, and pointing that out but it, it's you just get so t- tied up in what you're doing in that exact moment yeah which is why i love it so much because when i am in that car and it's why i i, I gravitated to it when i was at such a young age is that when i am in that car as loud as it is everything else is quiet yeah nothing else matters in that exact moment, all I have to worry about is how to get around the guy in front of me. And it's that simplicity of racing that draws me towards it, that gravitates me towards it. Yep. And you you are so invested in it. And you, if you're that, me specifically, high strung in certain situations, nothing's going to be my fault. Yep. Fuck no. you. That, that's your fault. <laughs> and then you have to kind of remove yourself for a second. Be like, okay, well, maybe whatever. But in that moment, that's yeah. why you're so like, fuck you. That, what the fuck was that? Well, blah, blah, and blah. It, I... When I think too, when I when I hear that a driver say that, it actually pisses me off more when a driver says that guy did it to me on purpose. When when which I, I think it's more like, well may have it, it, right, it, it yeah. may have been, but in my mind it's like maybe it's just because the guy can't drive or has less talent than you but do. But that's least. almost even more frustrating. Though. Yeah, I would almost rather be. I don't know how to say it. Like it, like if if I got dumped on purpose. I probably did something to provoke that. Yeah. Which then you can kind of, again, when you remove yourself from the situation, you can look back and be like, all right, well, you know, fuck that guy. I'll get him back at some point. But, like, it makes sense in your head. But there's nothing more frustrating than un- unforeseen circumstances taking something away from you that you've worked so hard for. Right. Which is brings us to Noah Gregson. At Homestead, two laps to go beating down the wall, going to win the race by oh, yeah. a country mile, slams into the back of David Starr. Doing I David don't think Star David things. Starr was trying to wreck the leader. Right. I don't think Noah wanted to run into the back of him. Right. But in that moment, that was just taken away from him. Right. By someone who it was an uncontrolled circumstance. It was a shitty it was a shitty way that, that everything happened. And you know that's why Noah spouted off and, you know, said what he said yeah but it it makes so much sense to me why it happened and we're 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 obviously noah guys and we're we're homers and we're we're gonna we're gonna see noah in a different light than the rest of the people on social media and shit but what what i like about noah and what i've i even said this before we even really knew him like we knew of him obviously but like we not like he he worked at that for the last three hours or whatever. Yeah. He's in the race car tensed up running his race is gonna win the race third literally third race in a row at Homestead that he was going to win. And yep. David Starr, whatever happens, Noah ends up running into him. 
And the, the problem with NASCAR, I think, is that if you're watching it as a racer, like a lot of these guys get out of the care center, and it's it's because of their sponsors. They can't right. be themselves, so oh, they, they get out immediately. Throw a microphone. Yeah, and that's in your that's face. the problem. Is literally he hit David Starr after he was gonna win a race, and ten minutes later the microphone is in his face. Yep. What is he gonna say? He's not gonna be calmed down. But like a lot of the guys are are. Everyone else is better at the, better at it than Noah is, and what I like about Noah is that Noah doesn't give a shit, and and the best right. best part is that Bass Pro Shops does not give a shit either. So yeah. Noah can say whatever Noah whatever is on Noah's mind, and he can just be a free thinker and just say whatever he's gonna say. Whereas everyone else is like, oh, just like thank the guys back at the shop, just unfortunate, and it's like, well, that's uh, yeah. it, it's Yawn. fake, it's yeah, fake. It's, exactly. I mean, it's that's not how you're feeling, and they can't feel how they can't say how they're feeling. Yep, uh, I, and that's why I like Noah. I think a good way to look at it is. And because I've said it before, and I, I truly, truly believe it, racing is an art form. Yes. Okay, if you, especially if you're behind the wheel, using the pedals and the steering wheel, you are an artist in your craft. It's a mechanical dance, so, so to speak. So yeah. if you yeah. think of it in a term of an actual like painter, artist, mm-hmm. okay, say that you've just spent an entire day, entire week painting this masterpiece you know bob ross is painting you know happy little race cars all over the place right <laughs> and then you know, you have all this time and everything invested in it your whole body is invested in what you're doing in that moment and you're you're all done you put your finishing little signature on the bottom there you stand it up looks great dog comes in knocks over the paint spills it all over it yeah dog didn't mean to do that right nope that wasn't anybody's fault you're going to fucking yell and scream at the dog and do whatever. You still love the dog. Right. But you, you now you have literally nothing to show for. Yeah. And what did you just spend an entire day doing? Yeah. That's yep. the way that I would look at that. Buddy just heard you were painting. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I don't know if that's paint. a good analogy or yeah. not. No, I, I think it hits yeah. it right on the head. Um, it just um, it, it goes back to that thing I, I mentioned that I, I just think sometimes... <laughs> so you're you're not gonna believe what just fucking happened. So I literally on cue just got done talking about a dog spilling paint all over a masterpiece, right? Yeah. Buddy comes down the stairs. Yeah, you. Fucking wants to just say hi to the pals. Knocks the fucking cord right out of the laptop. Yeah. We all looked at each other like we just lost the show. We mm-hmm. literally just enacted what I literally just fucking said. Yep. Thank hits that that did not just lose the show yeah so that is exactly what happened the lat when we had andy austin on yeah so i don't know what it is about racetrack announcers but we (laughs) like the last time you gotta pull the the last time it just it the cord came unplugged even it wasn't even like completely unplugged like buddy just ripped it out but like this like with andy it barely like came like just came loose and then the whole all the audio like you can see the how people's levels are going well the whole thing just went blank and i'm like oh my god and that's when that's actually funny that this happens is that was uh my when my phone went through the drywall that was the last time you broke your phone Uh uh-huh what a weird life (laughs) full full circle moment fuck deja Um, vu like you read about so what were you saying i I just said it it comes back to the idea that uh if you've been racing you've been in it for 10 12 years now 21 21 at yeah. 21 years um <laughs> i'm 27 let me, this let is going to be my 21st stories. racing season sometimes you lose perspective on on the difficulty of what you guys do i i i'm i'm amazed I, i'm i drive fast on the roads i when i was your age when i was brad's age we did all our shit out on the roads the back roads of brunswick and stuff so um but never on a racetrack i always thought i could drive as fast on a racetrack as i could on the road and and no no way <laughs> no it's a uh, it's 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 
it's its own little world. Yeah. And I think that that's what we love about it, and that's what we want to have so many more people involved with it. And um, you know, I love I love full racetracks. I love just pe- I, as much as I joke around about hating people, I I love people that are all doing something for the same reason. Yeah, you're all there to a, a racetrack could be packed. And I'm going to love probably every person there because we're all there for the same reason. You get me into an airport, <laughs> oh, I, I fucking hate everybody there. Yeah. Well, uh, so it's Well, that's the approach we take um, at, at Wiscasset just with the personnel. We we find good people and then find something. Wh- what's your niche? What, yeah. what are you going to have a fun time exactly. uh, contributing to it? And, so. and I think that if you guys just keep building on what you're doing and – promoting the shit out of it we're going to try and help as much as we possibly can yeah you know, we we got to put wiscasset on the map this is a place that make it part of the conversation it, yeah exactly yeah. it's it's one of those places that th- doesn't get the credit that it should it's incredibly underrated in my opinion the pl- it's a gorgeous facility it's a real racy joint in sean foster's words it's it's just a place that people need to go to and it, we say that so often because we mean it and we we mean it about every place we need to go to all of these racetracks we have a fucking loaded schedule for this year to go all over the place to maine new hampshire connecticut massachusetts florida eventually long island long island fucking north carolina here in a couple weeks we're we're gonna we're gonna do some shit we're gonna do a lot of cool shit and we want to bring as many people with us as we can to all of these places so I like what you guys kind of you made the best of the COVID situation and, and ended up getting around to a whole bunch of different tracks and, and bringing that experience to your listeners. It was really cool. We have talked about that where COVID gave us a very, very unique opportunity because I couldn't go racing every week and we just loaded up every weekend and said, let's go here. Let's do this. Let's go. And we did so much new shit, met so many people. We, we had this conversation too a year ago today. We didn't know half the people that were in the basement when you showed up. Oh, yeah, no. No. Why? I don't think. And we had like yeah. t- we had a fuckload of people here. And over time, we've we've grown these relationships and we just keep expanding on it and networking and you know, we we want this to be big. It's, and not even for us, but we want people to go to these places. It it's wild like t- talking about the racing community and stuff. It's like you you show up to the racetrack and whether I know this person's name or not, we're we're gonna have a conversation. Like I, people, people know me because we do the podcast. I don't know many people, and like, and I feel bad because a lot of people come up and they'll they'll, they'll be like, "Hey, Brad, what's <laughs> going on?" Like, "Hey, love BFP," and I'm like, "Yeah, uh-huh. uh huh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. Oh, I'm having a good time." It's like, but I've I have no idea their name, and like, I'm not I'm not a I, I I'm personable when I'm drunk. Yep. Unless I'm Bradford, and then I don't even I don't know what I do apparently. Um, but it's. It's hard when everyone knows you, but you don't know the other people. But like the w- what I was trying to get at is like the racing community itself. Is you see the same faces every week, like you said, and it's just cool that I, I could see people at Stafford, Connecticut, and then I could see people in New Smyrna, Florida, and yeah. I whether I know their name or not, we recognize each other. We'll give each other a wave, and it's just you know, it's like I, it's I like we're friends. Another yeah. thing that's kind of been missing from the the racing thing is is remembering the next generation that's coming yep. up, uh, whether it be drivers or fans or whatever. And one thing I'm really proud that we do at Wiscasset is is cater to the kids. Uh-huh. Uh, we've got a kids club. There's a woman named Penny Charette does a great job, and we have as many as a hundred hundred twenty kids come to her table every Saturday night to sign in, do whatever crafts they do before racing, and then. Have, she has them do activities. Um, we always have a junior official 
uh, that when we do driver intros, the junior official gets to go down on the track and shake the hands of the drivers as I introduce them. Um, and one thing we just started a couple of years ago, and unfortunately I couldn't do it last year with COVID, but um, a couple of years ago we started when it's time to fire up the engines for the spotlight race, I'd take the wireless mic down and I, I call kids down out of the grandstands and I, you know, I'm standing there with 30 kids around me. I let them yell the, the command to fire the engines. And I tell you what, it's, I'm not watching the kids doing it. I'm watching the parents that are off on the side with their cameras out filming. My kid got to do this tonight. So that, that, if you look behind Brad there, there's a little tiny blue trophy. Yep. It, it's maybe what three four inches tall something yeah. like that that is 1999 or 8 I was sitting in the grandstands at Beach Ridge Motor Speedway with my grandmother eating chicken nuggets watching my dad race a wildcat just enjoying the sights and scenes and you know whatever it, whatever it is that you you do at a racetrack and I'm just having a good old time I'm wearing my rusty Wallace t-shirt I'm Excellent. in my element loving every bit of it well this kid comes up and he likes my t-shirt. He picks me out of the stands. And I was the junior fan of the night because the kid liked my t-shirt. Never met him before in my entire life. Yeah. And uh, he was also a big Rusty Wallace fan. Had, I think he also had a Rusty Wallace Excellent choice. And, uh, you know, if you're a junior fan of the night, you get to ride around in the pace car. You get to watch the, you know, the field come out of the, the pits. You go into the pits, which, you know, now it's great that you guys have let people in the pits. Beecher's is letting people in the pits. But at yeah. the time... Getting into the pits of Beecher's, that was a rite of passage. Right. That was that was something to look forward to. And now I'm just a little, you know, five, six, seven-year-old kid that now I'm in the pace car. I'm in the pits. My dad sees me. He's like, what the hell are you doing back here? <laughs> and uh, it, it, you know, it was an experience. I got I got a little trophy. You know, you're a little kid. You got a little trophy. You're pumped, right? Yeah. Well, fast forward 20 years later, I found out that that kid that picked me out of the stands was Joe Pastore Jr. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Yep. And I was racing with him the last two three years now yeah so it's weird how that whole everything comes full circle and it's probably one of the things that kept me going to the racetrack because you know i fuck i got a trophy last week what am i going to do this time you know what i mean it's just you have an experience every time and you know it's cool that you get to cultivate that next generation exactly and you know it's it's a it's a weird little world that we live in but i i wouldn't trade it for anything yeah so Oh, good times, good times. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think that we would be remiss if we didn't bring up our consensus weapon of the week of Gracie Trotter. Oh. Yes, affirmative. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> it's one thing to... to <laughs> what to, the fuck was that? It's one thing to get loose and wreck all of our friends. But it's another thing to get loose and wreck all of our friends and then get out of the car and blame our friends. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> so my my take on that. We're at Daytona, right? Not only does she wreck a friend of ours... But it was her teammate. Mm-hmm. Yes. Says, and I quote, somebody was pushing me from behind. Well, I think I the spotter know. said it, but we don't let facts Whatever. in the way of a good story. Whatever. What could I have done differently there? I don't know. <laughs> Lift. Lift. <laughs> yeah. Don't drive through the fucking kid through the corner. But he saved it, and then she kept going. Fast <laughs> forward to Phoenix, right? Lap half. We're going through turns three and four. One and two. But yeah. Was it one and two? Yeah. Oh, so they took the green and then yeah. wipe out. Yep. Yeah great yeah so you, you take the green you're on lap zero and you are going into the corner already in like the second and a half groove with someone on your outside nobody behind you you wreck three four four or five race cars take out another girl that's in the in the in the field and you get a microphone stuck in your face and this goes <laughs> re- directly back to what ken brought up earlier yeah, you know, that the 17 was, you know, pinching me down. I'm like, what in the fuck are you talking yeah. about? 
yeah. what the fuck was that yeah like just it's one thing to be like it's it, that's when being fake you should just do it like you should just get out and when they stick the can the mic in your face in the cameras you should just be like yeah i just went in there and got loose and and wh- so what she she said what she was thinking yeah what she was thinking was very wrong and she should have right. just been fake she should have just been you know yeah. oh just hate it for the guys back at the shop you know it's uh, and at least phoenix is close to north carolina so like all those people yeah that, that lugged, yeah at least all they those didn't cars waste all that and, for a lap half wrecked right right um no, it's uh, I don't know. Brutal start to the season for the, the we, friends. We the drove all the way out here for two corners. Yeah, yeah. After a rain delay too. Yeah. Add insult to injury. But and uh, no, I think I think that that's a prime example of exactly what Kendis brought up earlier of the you know why is it never their fault? It's yeah. like well sometimes it just fucking is. Yeah. Yep. And you just need to say it and get, move on with it. I I have fucked up more times than I can count in a race car. I I've done it. I am not perfect. I am not the best at what I do. But I know that when I go into the race, I think that I'm the best. Yeah, I think I'm to. the best for the night, or else I shouldn't be doing it. Right. And everybody has that mindset. You get very, you know, cloudy eyed and you know, cloudy brained when it, you, you go into that circumstance. And sometimes it just straight up is your fault. And I think Derek Griffith at the end of the Daytona race there, where he got a microphone stuck stuck in his face, he handled that like a complete pro. Yes. And it wasn't the fake. You know, I hate it for my guys. I said the other thing. He said, I, I really don't have anything to say until I see it. Yeah. He said, I was leading the race. Next thing I knew, I'm getting turned around, and I look in the mirror, it's my teammate. Damn near upside down. Yeah. So it's like that That was the perfect way to say right. it, perfect way to go about that. You didn't say anything that you probably shouldn't have said, but you weren't a robot either. Yeah, right. And that's why we love Derek. That's yeah. why you know you have a DG12 shirt on right now. Yep. And Gracie Trotter is, I think, a <laughs> unanimous weapon of the week. The and that weapon. doesn't mean we, we hate her yet. No. Doesn't doesn't mean that she can't improve and do better moving forward. But holy fuck, what the fuck was that? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And I, Derek had a good run today at the Rattler yeah. 250. That uh, also happened. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, he ran top five whole entire day. Really well, made it made it up to he well he slid st- back for yeah. quite a while there. He, yeah, he made it up to about second ish and then got yeah. awfully loose yeah, and yeah. L- fell actually back lost, very lost a lap. Really? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, made it, made it back, ended up finishing fourth. My take so. from the Rattler: I love winning race car races. Love it. Love winning races. Love driving <laughs> race cars. There is literally like one thing on this planet. That's that a trophy I, you do not want. That's a trophy I am leaving at the goddamn racetrack. <laughs> yeah, I don't snake. No, I don't, don't do snakes. I don't want a snake. It's it's the one like prank if it's ever done we're not friends hmm. you're not coming back to my house Wait a minute, we're not talking make sure Fuck i put you. this in my notes yeah. like we're, we're <laughs> done Slither- you're dead to me slithery snake you're dead to me and yeah yeah don't yes yeah, and and it, oh, it, I, I got uh, i got nervous watching it on tv when they brought that fucking giant thing out <laughs> for ty to make out with and then you look at the trophy, and there's another stuffed snake in that. Fuck you. No, I don't <sighs> snake. Yeah, exactly. I just got the fucking heebie-jeebies just thinking about that a fucking said, snake. That being said, South Alabama Speedway, love the place. They put on a, a hell of a show. I'd never really watched the Rattler before. I've never even seen no. South no. Alabama Speedway before today. I don't even know that, that I have really even heard of. I probably heard of it, but never never really knew anything about it until and today. And we watched it on Speed 51 coverage, yep. which... They're our new pals. Yes. So we, we have a, a new promo code, BFP, on Speed 51, where you could have gotten $10 off. I'm sure we're going to have more shit like that moving forward with Speed 51. 
we got some stuff going on that it's gonna it's gonna be all good. I hope everyone utilized that code. So, um, anybody who shared the shit out of that, anybody who used that promo code, we appreciate the hell out of that. Speaking of promo codes too, if you're looking for a diecast or anything like that, head on over to Plan B Sales. Use promo code BFP one two three. Get free shipping on anything over a twenty dollar purchase. Um, and just you know, keep keep promoting it and helping us out, and we're we're gonna show you the love back in return, and that's why that's why we want to keep doing this stuff. We want to be we want to be interactive with the Plan Bs and the Speed Fifty Ones of the world, so that we can give those things back to you guys, get some savings in, and you know, start maybe your own podcast and have your own diecast collection behind you too, and we can all work together sometimes. So, um, hoping to get to a point where we can not only bring game day to the racetrack, but we can bring the alcohol to help people get to where they need to be. Yeah. Just provide people alcohol. Just have have a good time, you <laughs> yeah. know. Just or, and after the race, before the or race, maybe we whatever. can be on someone else's podcast one day. That'd be cool. Maybe well, they heard a BFP when they were younger, and then yeah. they started their own. And then hey, you know, maybe we'll have we'll be on their show. You never know. Sure. That that would be the Charlie Sanborn Joey Pastore story all over again. So, yeah. Um, no, I think it's cool. I think it's I think everybody here loves what we do. Obviously, or else we wouldn't right. con- continue doing it for so fucking. You each long. bring a your own level of expertise to it yeah. you know? and just like you at the racetrack i'm you know, very much not an expert in anything yeah i'm very good at what i do you're yeah. an expert fan <laughs> yeah but, but you sure. at the racetrack too you know everybody everybody is an artist in their own way you are one of the best in the announcer booth and and at promoting at what was cast at speedway is all about we love it we love the logo the smiley face it's we, it's very we, different it's very it's a that's a picture of richard jordan actually, is it yeah so. yeah that talk about a smile that that boy loves to smile for sure um but we're all I, we're all expert all expert and, fans and he always he, he tells us uh, as employees but he also tells the drivers he's like if you're not having fun at the racetrack then we're doing something wrong and we're going to figure out how to change that and so. that is the that is the absolute correct mindset and you know for me i don't know from badly i'm sure it is but i i just want to thank everybody who's had a hand at wiscasa speedway from the time that i saw it where it was going to fall off the face of the planet to what it is today to a top-notch gorgeous racing facility that mm-hmm. is always in constant improvement thank you to you guys yeah. and, the there, and there's a lot of people responsible for yeah. that it starts with the jordans and i certainly get uh, you know my credit for it as well but there's a lot a lot of people that are responsible for making that happen and it's a cool it's a cool place to see the teamwork that goes on there and we love Wiscasset Speedway. I love racing at Wiscasset Speedway. Maybe we'll do something there. Uh, maybe a little different from a sports series car. We got some stuff in the works here, but um, maybe maybe drop an announcement here in the yeah, next little be while. Cool. So, um, no, I'll, I'll be drunk in the stands. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna we're just gonna have some fun this year. Twenty twenty one is gonna be great. I hope you know Wiscasset has uh, an incredible strong season like you guys have have been having. And you know it's. Uh, this has been 106. Well, the worry has definitely been lifted uh, over the last couple of weeks with uh, attendance and stuff. So yep. it, it just kind of makes you get up on the wheel a little bit and, and you know, it doesn't look so desperate now. For sure. Well, uh, do you have anything, Brad? No. To kind of cap 106. off? 106. 106. We appreciate you driving down. We know you don't live close to here. 106. So we'll get you back home that maybe <laughs> maybe to see your wife and go to bed and sort some mail in the you morning. You know any 06s? Uh, that Matthewson fella. That, yeah, Brad. Mullet Brad. There's only the world's only big enough for one Brad with a mullet. Uh, when I, when, every rep. time I hear Sam Ramo, one oh six, Sammy Ramo. Yeah, uh, first, I, first radio pole. station. I worked how the at fuck did really? we forget Jake Door? <laughs> how how? Because we're not good at what how? we do. We're just so dumb. We're um, the dumbest. So, I always think of the Route one oh six go kart track. Anytime I hear that number, could be. But yeah, well, we had a guy that was cast named Zach Poland. Uh, gave up racing a couple years ago, but. Uh, it, 
folks around there would remember him. Nice little zero six. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, one oh six was the so, first first radio station I worked at. There you uh, go. The older oh, folks were at W I G Y. We actually knew that and we planned this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, station totally. went out, station went out of business back about when you were born, but uh, uh, nineteen ninety three. That's yeah. when that was. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, you are old. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. No, uh no, it's been great. Thank you again for showing up. Thank we you. we appreciate you guys and uh now we're going to direct you over to Sean Foster and this weird race car noise that we play every time. Race car, race car, here we go, race car. Yeah.